Welcome to One Hit Wonderful, the podcast where we revisit all of those great reality shows that were unfortunately only given one season. Although in some cases, very fortunately. <laughs> in some cases, they weren't great. I'm your host, Frank Pesanite III. And I'm Meredith Broadbeck. And join us as we finish our journey down the path that was the Princes of Malibu. We have decided today we are going to discuss episodes four, five, and six. <laughs> All in one fell swoop, because we could not take three more weeks of this. Because it's our podcast, and we can cry if we want to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, for our final boo breakdown, you know... I might just have a breakdown here. Yeah, I decided... (laughs) For having to watch this show. I decided to just keep it really short and simple, and just go with the fourth member of the immediate family, which is Brandon Jenner. So, Brandon was born June 4th, 1981, the first son of Bruce, now Caitlyn Jenner, and Linda Thompson. Most notably about Brandon, he started playing music in high school, also at Crossroads High School in Malibu, and that's where he met his future wife, Leah. They started playing music together in their band, Big Doom, as we all know, and they eventually formed their own group, Brandon and Leah. Which is what we see on the Kardashians. Right. Catchy title. So they released an album in 2013 that reached number 82 on the Billboard 200, number 16 on the Billboard Independent Albums chart, and number 24 on the Billboard Digital Albums chart. And then they released a second album in 2014. And I thought we could listen to a little bit. See if it works. So, Leah, born Leah Felder, she is the daughter of the Eagles guitarist, Don Felder. I actually knew that. I just forgot it. I did not know that. I did. Are they on the Kardashians a lot? Not recently, but yes. Okay, so there was, before Caitlyn became Caitlyn, um, and was still on the show quite a bit, there was a good... One to two seasons that were all about like how um, Bruce was a shitty dad and didn't pay attention to Brandon and Brody, and they go on a couple of vacations with the Kardashians, okay. um, and like specifically Greece, I know was one of them. I feel like there's, but anytime they would show up, it's always like, oh, Brody hates the dad because he wasn't around, and Brandon and Leah tend to try to be the peacemakery ones because they don't make noise, and so the Kardashians seem to like them better. That tracks. So Leah and Brandon got married in 2012 in Hawaii, and they had a daughter, Eva, in 2015. And just this past September in 2018, they decided to split, and they've been together for 14 years and married for six. Yeah. 
So they pretty much have been together since this show. Yeah. So it's kind of sad, but they released a very nice statement about how they'll always be friends and love their daughter as people do. Of course. But that's, that's pretty much all Brandon does. Well, now I have an interesting um, timeline question, not even about the show, okay. but about Linda and David. Uh-huh. Because he says in one of these three episodes, um, I've known you guys since you were two and four. Yeah. Which would have been 85. Yeah. And she and Bruce didn't, or she and Caitlin didn't get divorced until 86. And she didn't marry David until 91. No. All right. So, she, just so she was a songwriter. Maybe they met and he met her kids. Or maybe she's, maybe she and Bruce were on the outs and she and David were hitting it. Maybe, but I feel like someone who says in that stepfatherly capacity, like I've known you since you were two and four, that implies like I've been your stepfather since you were two and four. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, maybe Bruce had really fucked off early though. From the sounds of it, that's not implausible. Maybe, but I'm just surprised that they would wait six years to get married. Maybe David had a, he was finalizing a divorce, probably. Uh, probably, yeah. But I just thought that was interesting. <laughs> okay, so episode four. I'm trying to think of which one of these three was my least favorite. It may be four. Um, we begin the episode, and Brody is parked in David's spot. Now, mind you, outside the entrance to the house that they all go in and out of, it looks like there's a cul-de-sac. There's like a decent sized circle full of cars or a driveway full of cars. Yeah. But David just likes to be the one closest to the door. Agreed. But none of them are that far. I'm surprised David wasn't, doesn't want to be in the garage. Yeah, or closest to the exit so he can peel out no matter who's parked there. I don't know. So he's all pissed off. Long <laughs> story short. And he decides to have Brody's car towed. Which is a good idea in theory, and then it's just fake as all hell, and David pays $5,000 to have the car presumably towed to Phoenix, Arizona. And I will say that I'm now going to rescind my David is a good actor. Yeah. Like, I mean, really looking at, like, none of them are good actors. This is no. all fake and terrible. And um, as you said, he claims to have paid $5,000 to have the car towed. He does not have the car towed anywhere down except for the end of the street yep. for shots. Like, it's so stupid. And also, even if it was real, what kind of lesson are you teaching your child or stepchild or whomever by dropping five thou to have their car towed? Like, it, like if you want to get them... Take do the a, air out of the tire. No, put a boot on it. Yeah. Put a boot on it so they can't drive it. Take the keys. I just don't get it. So then Brody wakes up and he can't find his car. And David was kind enough to leave him a business card for the tow company. Well, I thought this really smacked of drunk driving too, because in the voiceover, he's like, the boys wake up and try to piece together their night from the night before. And then at one point, Spencer's like, did I drive your car home? Yeah. Like basically the time they were shithouse and don't remember how they got home. Well, so everyone drives in LA. So imagine drinking in LA before the age of Uber. Oh, yeah, no, I'm sure that they did drive drunk all the time. I'm just saying I'm surprised they would put that in the show. So then my other question for Brody, if this is real, is 
take another car? Question mark. Don't they each have like three? Yeah. You you had you needed the Escalade that day. Were you going to Home Depot? You couldn't take the Benz. Like, what's the matter? Yeah, I don't know. Bar- wake up, Brandon. Borrow one of his three V8s that we've heard he has. Yeah. So then he and Spencer go to wake up Brandon after they dispatch David's jet. And they're just doing this rhythmic clapping thing. And Brandon's in bed with Leah on really ugly leopard sheets. And they board the private jet. I mean, I have so many problems. I mean, like, I can't even delve into it. Like, first of all, this is after 9-11. You can't just randomly be... I mean, I know it's a private plane at private airport, but, like, you... There are checks and balances in place, and when they, they tried to make it seem like they were giving some code, when he was, like, NQ, whatever, bullshit, that was just the number of the plane, because later we see the tail of the plane and the numbers on it. Like, that's not the special you gas-up-the-jet code. Right. And then when they're aboard the jet, Spencer is freaking out, and saying it's Christmas time because he pulls the, like, drawer out full of nips. And, like, they start taking shots from the minibar, basically. But when you dispatch a jet, don't you also get a flight attendant? Not if it's your jet. Okay. I mean, that's the whole thing. They're not claiming this is, like, NetJet or one of those, like, okay. Uber-type jet services where you would get a flight attendant. And that's why the mini bottles don't make sense. Because you would just have... Full bottles, like on right. your plane. Okay. Weird. Very weird. So do we think that's actually David's jet, or do we think they, like, rented it for production and just didn't get a flight attendant? Oh, I think they rented it for production. Yeah. I don't think it's David's jet. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, or maybe. Like, maybe it is David's jet, and he was like, let them use it, and they just stocked it with mini bottles. Like, I don't, you know, I mean... Yeah. So then when they are mid-air, and they're on their way to Phoenix, by the way, if we haven't mentioned that, because oh, that's yeah. where that's the- Oh, yeah, that's where the car was allegedly towed to, <laughs> to a mini mall I'm, in Phoenix. I'm forgetting the plot because it's just fake as hell and I can't. So they decide halfway through their flight that they're going to reroute and go to Vegas. And Spencer stole David's digital Rolodex. And- Brody says, I don't know, but I know when he's in Vegas, he gets hooked up at Caesars. And they go to Caesars. They do. And this is like a giant ad for Caesars. We get a lot of ads this uh, go around. Right. And I'm curious why he would get hooked up at Caesars. I mean, for probably for a variety of reasons, but also because we know he does the theme to the Bellagio Fountain. I bet he has connections at several good hotels. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. So there's that. And then, so the boys just check into the, basically what looks like the presidential suite with some poor hotel employee thinking that David's with them. I mean, take that all with a grain of salt. That's what the plot is. So then we get a quick scene of David and Linda at home and they're in the jacuzzi and he's in a great mood because the boys aren't there and he got rid of them for what he thinks is 48 hours. Yes. And then we go back to Vegas and we're seeing the presidential suite. The boys are just freaking out. And this hotel person just can't find David, can't find David. And And there's no mention of like, why do you have a camera crew with you? Sure, we can sign waivers so you can film in the casino floor. Like, hey, what are you guys doing filming this suite? I mean, it's just so, uh. And also, 
I'm trying to think of when you check into hotels, don't they usually say an ID and a credit card? Well, no, if you are like at David's level and you, I mean, even if you're just a normal person who gets comp to casinos and stuff, yeah. no, you just call and be like, I'm coming and they have everything all set up for it. Cause they all got all, all that on file. Okay. Yeah. And it's David. Um, so the boys are running around the suite, checking out the TVs, all the rooms. Spencer says, what? No plasma. And they're having quote, the best day of my life. Is Brody says that? Or Spencer. Spencer says it, which is weird because when it's referenced in the voiceover, David makes it sound like Brody sent it, but okay. Spencer is the one that said it. Yeah. And then we get another quick shot of David and Linda at home having dinner across what looks like a table big enough to be in Game of Thrones. Yeah. And they're on opposite ends of it. And David says, this is nice and romantic. It's like coming to America. Like he practically needs a walkie talkie to talk to her. Um, this whole series has a lot of coming to America throwbacks because that was also like when they were auditioning the girls in last episode. Yeah. Um, when she's Bark like, like a dog. Bark like a dog. Yeah. Yeah. So then there is a knock on the door of the hotel suite. And the boys think it's the hotel employee and that they are in trouble because he hasn't found David. And who is it? It's Celine Dion. And I wrote, give me a fucking break. Yeah. Um, I like that they were debating whether or not to answer the door. But Brandon <laughs> kind of sweetly says, no, don't make her wait. <laughs> And Spencer runs to the bathroom to pretend to be in the shower because he's the one playing David and all these other scenarios. But like, do you think Celine Dion's going to go into the bathroom and have a conversation with David like through the shower curtain? And that suite was the size of the entire floor of the hotel. The bathroom, I'm sure, was a good mile from the front door. Like, you didn't need to turn shit on. Just no. be like, oh, he's in the bathroom. And which bathroom? There were probably, like, five. Yeah. And just say, oh, I think David had a business dinner over at, like, and name another resort super far away. Yeah, I don't... He had a meeting at the Bellagio. Sorry. I mean, again, this is an ad for Caesars and an ad for Celine's show at Caesars. Like, it's... Okay. Yeah. I mean, good on Spencer for, like, getting all... I mean, I'm sure David helped, but, like... Getting all of this cross-pomo stuff. Right. And as we were watching this, I raised the question, and I'll raise it while we're recording. Why did David agree to do this show? I don't know. What did he get out of this? And I really don't know. I don't know. Because he seems like such a tight ass, and like he didn't really enjoy it. What... Maybe it's what we thought in our very first episode, that like he thought this would set them up so they actually would leave. But that, they have enough money to just leave. I wonder, though, if it's also, if they appealed to his ego. I mean, David has a huge ego. And I think if it was like, hey, no one our age knows who you are. Like, you know, all these old people know who you are, your songwriter. Like, wouldn't it, if you do this show, like, all cool young people will be talking about you. You'll be known. Right. But, like, it's not like he comes across great. But I'm sure he thinks he did. He thinks like, oh, I'm the like cute curmudgeon dad of this family. Like people are going to be so enamored with me. Yikes. It still doesn't add up to me though. I mean, what I, the fact that he agreed to do the voiceovers and agreed to, I, I can't, I don't know. Yeah, it makes no sense. So then we go back to the house in Malibu and for some reason, David and Linda are in the studio together and she's doing some singing. 
And it's a little rough. And she says, did that sound like Celine Dion? And David said, I want to get laid tonight, so I'll say yes. And also, they didn't show her actually singing. She did a couple vocal warm-ups. Yeah. And I'm sure she can sing. She's a songwriter. Like, I'm sure she sings just fine. I know. And then back in Vegas, the boys are at a club. And this is where we get robbed because they have a giant after party in the suite, none of which we get to see. Right. And then my next note is that David... Do you think that's because there was no party? Yeah. Probably. They just put up a little vignette that said what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas and we're not showing it or something. I mean, I just thought... At first viewing, I thought, oh, like there was a bunch of debaucherous stuff they don't want to show it. But now I'm like, I bet they didn't even have the suite. No, they didn't. I basically just filmed in the suite. In the very next scene, when David supposedly finds out, none of them look super hammered. They're wearing the exact same clothes. It looks like they got in the elevator and came back down and just filmed the next thing. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. And what was the premise for David finding out? Like, They never said, but I'm assuming the premise is that, like, the pit boss guy couldn't find him and then finally just, like, called him and he was like, I'm not there. I'm here at home. Right. And David calls Brandon and just says, like, you guys are done. And then there's this supposedly cute scene where the hotel concierge is going over all the charges they put on the room and then Spencer puts down his mother's credit card. Yeah. Fake. Um, so then all of a sudden we see the Escalade driving through the front gate of the house. Oh no, before that, you forgot the, um, part that's leading up to the next episode where they're walking out of the casino and who should be walking in but a million Elvis impersonators. Right. Because the show would be nothing without Elvis. Right. Well, I have that as still in this episode though. Because they get back from Phoenix, and then they go to the Elvis room. No, 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 but I'm saying when they're leaving, oh, yeah, like they the, they're like, oh, Spencer's like, oh, Elvis is, I know what to do. So stupid. So stupid. But anyway, the voiceover is like, back from Phoenix, and you just see the Escalade pull in the driveway. And now they have their car back, they have a plan, and they go to Linda, and they ask to borrow some of her things. And then there's a scene where they go into Linda's, quote, Elvis room. Which is locked with a keypad. Right. And it's all the dresses and stuff that Elvis bought her that she owned when she dated him. And, like, all, like, some memorabilia of his, I would think, too. And can we talk about the fact that David Foster allegedly hates the mere mention of the name Elvis. Right. But he is willing to build a shrine, a locked shrine... In his home for his wife's Elvis shit. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Like, none. I think that that part's just fake. I think he actually thinks it's cool. that she's, I'm sure. Yeah. He actually thinks it's cool. He's I mean, otherwise, all that shit would be in storage on in another location. Like, it would not be in the house. I mean, yeah. it's just so stupid. Yeah. And you're telling me that, like, Graceland or something wouldn't pay her for some of that shit? Oh, I'm sure they ha- yeah. probably would. Yeah. So then all of a sudden there's this big like Elvis fan club convention thing and I guess Linda is the highlight of it and they display some of her dresses and like this big old Cadillac that David also allows to be kept on the property. I know, that was insane. And David finds out about this big fan club meeting because he's standing in the kitchen and an Elvis walks by and asks where the bathroom is. Where, and you didn't see it, like the whole thing. Like it is... So, I mean, like, 
that Elvis is a terrible actor, everything about... And we're supposed to believe that this house is so large that David and Linda take a golf cart to go play tennis, but this Elvis, who's on the lawn, like a billion miles from the house, yeah. wandered all the way up there... Uh, fuck you. He like, caught, fuck you. He caught the funicular. The pool house uh, Apparently. Like, give me a fucking break. Yeah. Um, so then David says, instead of getting mad, he's just going to attend the Elvis fan club meeting. Yeah. And he goes to the McDonald's concession stand, and he talks to the Elvises, and then the boys put up a little display of all these photos of Linda with Elvis, and David draws mustaches on them. Yeah. And then says, I wonder where the photos of all the other girls were. Like, throwing, well, all the other girls that he was dating at the same time. Yeah, throwing shade at his own wife. Yeah. And then when he goes over to Linda and asks what all of this is, she says, don't talk to me about this. She has a point on that one. Well, but. and the only thing that I thought he had a valid point about, um, and why I now believe those are also probably all extras, is that he says, like, what were you thinking inviting these people? Now they all know where your mother lives. Like, these are crazy, rabid Elvis fans. Like, and now they know where she is, and look what you've done. Which yeah. is a valid point. Yeah. Um, they were, I'm sure they're all extras. Yeah. Totally. And that's the end of episode four. Yeah. So now we can dive right into episode five. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the best executive decision we've ever made, <laughs> along with skipping the last season of The Hills. <laughs> So David decides to, he says, hire a bricklayer for the day, and then he apparently does it himself for 30 seconds while they got the shot, and he blocks the boys' bedroom doors with bricks. Yes. The boys, meanwhile, are at Barefoot Bar with their friend Chappie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I meant to look up Chappie, just because that's funny. Um... So then Linda and David are watching TV and Linda says, I think it's really good you haven't retaliated against the boys. And David makes this womp womp whoops face. So then the boys get home from Barefoot Bar and Brandon comes down the stairs in probably the worst bit of acting we've seen over the five episodes it so far. Hands down. He says, dude, what the fuck? We... We should have taken a picture of that for episode five. We should have. Damn. Well, we still could, because yeah. it's kind of in the beginning. Yeah. So. Okay. Um, so then Spencer actually says, like, I got to give it to Dave. That's genius. And they go outside, and they find all of their clothes just thrown everywhere outside. So they never should. Are we supposed to believe that he bricked up the door to their wing of the house? Did he brick up all of their individual three doors? Like... Why didn't you go through the window? Like, a million times, Brody, people come into that terrace. Yeah. Like, this is so stupid! Did you also see the brick was on the inside of the door frame? No, I didn't. Yeah, so, like, David bricked it up and then just went out the patio door so the boys could still get in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then the voiceover says, I didn't realize in bricking the boys' doors that I was... Oh, no, he's like, the problem with the big house is that I was leaving the boys with 27 other places to sleep. And they then decide to sleep in the only place without beds. Yeah. And they act like poor little rich boys sleeping in a pool house. Like, I'll sleep on the pool table. I'll take the couch. I'd be like, I'm just going to go take the other suite with the private bathroom. Yeah. Like, what? So then Linda 
discovers that David has bricked up the doors. And she is angry! Yeah, this is where she really takes her acting skills to the next level. I'm sorry, Linda? So, she goes down to David's studio to, as David later calls it, says, rip him a new one. I don't, I wouldn't call it that. She says, you've completely inconvenienced my boys, and this is my house too. Okay. And David just says, well, it felt good. Really, really healthy. And then Linda goes down to the pool house. You'd think to kind of give the boys a piece of her mind as well and say that, you know, this whole thing must stop. But instead she says, I'm exasperated and this is ridiculous. I'm so angry with David. And then she instructs the boys on how to make the pool house into their new home. Um, she actually is exacerbated. Yes. That's right. And then they weirdly voice over it. Yes. And then she says, you could make the pool house like the pimp Mac daddies that you are. Sofa, pool table, sofa. Yeah. And then she says, you can pull down anything you want from the house. And then my next note just says, hijinks with stuff. Yeah, Spencer's wearing a new money t-shirt, which I like. Yeah. Um, then, yeah, hi, like they love to torture his popcorn maker for some reason. Like, they're really into taking the popcorn maker. This is the third time the popcorn maker has been referenced and stolen on this television program. <laughs> and then... Maybe if they put a V8 in the popcorn maker. Yeah, I know. They merge all everything the popcorn. <laughs> so then David says that Linda's decided to throw another one of her wacky celebrity charities. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what he calls it. And it is a dog fashion show. And then David sits in his office. Did you move my sofa? Is it out being cleaned? First of all, rich people, if you're out there listening, do you send your sofas out to get cleaned? Like, I thought people just cleaned them here. I know. Like, you just buy a steam machine. I've never, ever, ever heard of anyone ever sending a sofa out to be cleaned. And then... Like, maybe if it was in a fire. I know. And then the house manager says, check with the boys. So then David makes his way down to the pool. I know. She also is not a good actress because she says, oh, no. And she says it just like Phoebe from Friends. Yeah. David makes his way down to the pool house and basically just walks around collecting all those things and says, this is mine. This is mine. This is mine. Yeah, the whole house is yours. He also yells to them about the jacuzzi being on for two nights. How would you know that? Yeah. Well, he says the upstairs jacuzzi. Yeah, but how would you know it's been on for two nights? I don't know. And he and Linda were in that jacuzzi in the other episode. Yeah. And then David says, you know you're not supposed to use that jacuzzi. So is it the one, like, outside their personal bedroom or something? I guess. I can't. And then they said, what? We pay rent. And he says, you haven't paid me a dime yet. So then David decides he's going to get even... And he starts loading up his more all-terrain golf cart full of their stuff. Their surfboards, their guitars. um, And as he's loading up the golf cart, he says, you'd think with all this stuff I'd have ten sons. And he has a yard sale. Um, The only thing I thought interesting about this at all was that the shed is in the archway? I know. There's like an archway over the driveway And the shed is like the base of the archway, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, And then you see David handing out signs for a yard sale in like downtown Malibu, wearing a poncho. And again, 
puts like Casablanca. Like people just are supposed to know exactly. Y you can't get mad and say you have shown the world where Linda Thompson lives and Elvis fans can stalk her. And then in the same breath be like, everyone knows where Casablanca is. You just have to say the name of it and they know exactly where the address is. He did tell a few people directions are on the back. But there weren't. No. There was nothing on the back. Well. And, and so when Brody and Spencer do this, a million people show up to the house every time they plan something. When David Foster himself, I guess, walks through downtown Malibu handing out flyers for a yard sale, no one comes. Yeah. And then he hands one to a cop and the cop says, you need a permit for that. So then basically what he does is he just sells the boys stuff to the celebrities coming to this stupid dog fashion show for a very cheap price. Um, which was obviously sponsored by Target. Yes. And we see Dick Van Dyke, Brooke Shields, Wink Martindale, David Hasselhoff, Cheech Marin, and Bruce Jenner's daughter, Casey, randomly. Um, and then the boys decide to post David's Grammy on eBay. Yeah. Again. And then we open episode six. Yes, where and we discover that it's illegal to sell a Grammy and their efforts were thwarted. Yeah. And I'm not going to lie, I was hardly paying attention as we were watching episode six. And I had to ask Frank what was happening because it's not even hard to follow, but I was paying that little attention. I wasn't following. So we get um, Spencer insulting Canadians by calling them all lame. Yeah. Um, we get what I put when was phone hijinks, where they pretend to call um, Lionel Richie, Kenny Rogers. Cheryl Crow. Cheryl Crow. Um, my favorite is they throw in a real dig at Richard Marks by claiming to not know who he is, which yeah. is gross. Um, especially since Richard Marks retweeted me once, so like I have Ooh, the feels for him. Famous. Um, I mean, just generally really stupid. Like trying to get acts to oh, because they decide that since they couldn't sell the Grammy, instead they're going to hold a charity concert. Well, concert, sell tickets, and then they decide to say lie and say it's a charity, so people will buy tickets and come. Right. Two hundred fifty dollars ahead. And they're hoping that one of David's many clients or partners or whatever you want to call them will show up. But if not, David will just perform. Right. Yeah. That's the thought process. Right. And then we get voiceover and David says, my goal as predator is to separate one from the herd, which is kind of funny. And he preys on Brandon, which this was pathetic. The only good thing that came out of this is that we got a calendar that like further fucks up the timeline for everyone. Yep. Because the calendar showed March 2005. And according to the calendar, it was like the 20th because things were marked off on it. And I forgot to tell all of you that I looked up Samford Abel Thompson, Linda's father. Papa. Um, his birthday was March 30th, 1920. So this was before his 85th birthday party. So stupid. Yeah. And he died in 2009, by the way. September Aww. 14th. R.I.P. Papa. 89 years old. So then he and Brandon get into this weird conversation that I completely tuned out. And Brandon was just feeling sorry for himself about growing up the way he did. Yeah, it, it's ridiculous. Like, basically, David's like, you need to work hard. I drove by a car dealership and there were four $250,000 cars in the window. I could buy all four of them and it wouldn't even affect me at all. Like, you need to work hard and whatever. And Brandon 
kind of tries to flip the script and says, I don't really care about money. Growing up with money has ruined my life. Like, you never know who your friends are. You never know what girls really like you for you. Like, all I've got is my music. Like, he really threw a poor little rich boy fit. Also, when you go to a high school like Crossroads in Malibu, I highly doubt you're the only one kid that, like, you all have money. Yeah. You didn't... No, that's not true. Like, you were not the one kid at, like, a broke-ass high school in a Lamborghini. Yeah, I know. Uh-huh. So, then there's this weird scene where Brody works at Target? Well, first we get the the note that they are, have sold 172 tickets. Okay. Um, so that was early in the episode. Later oh. we get another ticket count. So I believe that was supposed to stress the, um, the, uh, amp up the, um, suspense of the episode that there's 172 tickets and like, we've got to find some X. Okay. And then what was the target thing? A dream? Yeah. Just a sidebar or a dream? A dream. So okay. Brody is sleeping on the day bed in the, <laughs> the pool house. Right. And has a dream that he works at Target. That is just an ad for Target. Yeah, and it's, like, him goofing off with employees and, like, playing video games. Yeah. Okay. And then they say something about Harvey Keitel. Well, no, they start talking about Pulp Fiction. Okay. And they say, like, Do you, did you guys see that movie Pulp Fiction, like, with the wolf, with the guy, the wolf, like, the fixer? And they're, like, Harvey Keitel? And they're, like, yeah, that's what we need. We need, like, a fixer. Like, we didn't kill anyone. Uh, we need a fixer. And Brody says, yeah. like, oh, I'm going to call my boy Josh. Like, he's the wolf. So, like, they call Josh, and Josh shows up with his terrible Caesar haircut from the mid-90s. Yes. Okay. And then the genius plot is for Josh to pretend to be Arnold Schwarzenegger, correct? Yes, which he does. So he calls David. Since David's... Oh, they call the house manager, and the house manager tells them that David's plans for the day are recording... A video, I guess. It said recording in studio, but it definitely was a video, because we see a green screen later. And then going to Sacramento... For something with the governor. The state song. Yeah. They say it later in the episode. Because there's a joke about how they went with... um... Well, I thought that was just a full-on joke. Like, I didn't think that they said anything about state song earlier. I don't know. But they probably drove... It's probably all fake and they just drove it home at the end. It's all fake. And so... They, um, the boys go, are like, oh my gosh, we have to figure out how to get him here instead of to Sacramento. So they have Josh call David, pretend to be Arnold Schwarzenegger, and tell him that in the interest of time, they're sending, the governor is sending him a helicopter so he can get to Sacramento quickly. Right. But the real plan is to fly him back to the house. Right. So dumb. And then there is some confusion during the setup of the party because... Brandon's band is setting up and fans start to arrive, but then the banner says presenting David Foster. And Linda is also confused by this event. It It's all very, very odd. And then Brody and Spencer are handing out Canadian flags to the people who bought tickets. Yes, because their whole ridiculous scheme this whole time is that Canadians are idiots and really nice and they will come to anything. Right. And Spencer says to like... Two women who are not very attractive. Are you guys on the Canadian supermodel team? And then the mayor of Malibu shows up. And then David is downtown and going to get the helicopter and reminds everyone that he does not take elevators. Which I didn't remember. See, I don't know if I know it from this, but I feel like I know it from Housewives. Of Beverly Hills. Yeah, I did not know that. So, is that why he always takes the golf cart? Does he not take the funicular either? 
I don't know. Maybe not. Do you have like a traumatic, did he get trapped in an elevator? I don't know. Some people are just afraid of elevators, I guess. Weird. Okay. More weird to me that he wouldn't be afraid of a helicopter. Yeah. Or having a heart attack after climbing, like, however many flights he apparently climbed. Um, because that is the joke, you guys, is that he then, of course, somehow doesn't seem to know that a helipad would be on the roof of whatever building he's in. In downtown Los Angeles. Yeah, and so is like, ugh, like, I guess I'm gonna have to climb the stairs at the tallest building in all of LA, which, whatever. And it allegedly takes him two hours. Yeah. Which he's real fucking out of shape, if that's the case. Yeah. It would not take that long. Like, maybe 15 minutes. I mean, if you're, like, old and moving slow, I'll give him 30, not two hours. Sure. But still, like... Yeah. And wouldn't your exhaustion at some point outweigh your fear and just be like, fuck, I'm going to the elevator? Apparently not. I have no idea. So we get all kinds of timelines. Um, well, it took it allegedly took him an hour and 15 minutes to walk up the stairs. Um, so we get a bunch of timeline shots with stupid... Brandon's, um, what is it? Big Dune? Big Doom. Big Doom band, um, is, has to play for two hours straight to entertain the people. Yeah. Meanwhile, we're supposed to believe that no one complained, no one asked where David was, no one asked where other people are, and everyone's just happy to listen to Brandon's, um, band play, was it La Cucaracha, he said at one point? Yeah, and he said, I just, we have to stop playing, we just played La Cucaracha for these people, and Spencer said, then cue up La Bamba. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then we get a, David finally arrives and Alan Thicke says like, you're so late. Yes. He basically says like, you're, I can't believe how late you are, but I'm sure whatever you're going to do, it's going to be amazing. And then Linda, Alan Thicke, what? Yeah. And then Linda intercedes and basically says like, don't be mad at the boys. This is all for charity, right? All the money's going to charity. They're donating all the money to charity. So like, you can't disappoint this, these, the charity. And he basically is like, Okay. If it's and, all for charity, I'll perform. And how many tickets did they sell? Um, well, the last count we get was 200. I okay. don't know if it was more sold after that, but they at one point say 200 tickets sold. It did not look like 200 people. I mean, in folding chairs, I mean, 200 people looks like less than you think, so it's possible that there are that many people in those folding chairs. I don't know. Like, so, I've been to weddings where there are 200 people, and I'm like, I look around, and I'm like, gosh, this doesn't look like as many people as you'd think it would. True. So then David plays the piano that is on like a clear stage in the middle of the pool. Yes. And he plays the theme from St. Elmo's Fire. Yes, he does. Highlight of this series for me. So then there's some weird voiceover and I don't remember what they say, but, oh, David says, the boys knowing that I would yell at them after performing I forgot that I would have to get off the stage to do that. Like, womp womp. And Brandon, all of a sudden, is in scuba gear. With Jenner written on the air tank, which I thought was lovely. And removes the walkway to the floating stage as David plays the piano, and David doesn't notice. No. Um, and... As David is finished, the mayor gets up and makes a speech, and he said that the whole event came together with the help of a local hero, Brody Jenner. At which point, David looks aghast, and then realizes the rest of the stage is missing, and just walks right into the water. Yep. And says again that this is the last straw, 
And then we get a phone call from fake Arnold Schwarzenegger again. Yeah. Claiming that since David didn't show up, that they went with somebody else. Um, oh, that they went with, um, what's his face? I love him, actually. The guy from um, Entertainment Tonight. I forget what they said. Oh, it's going to drive me crazy. Anyway, the guy from Entertainment Tonight, um, who used to be a host of Entertainment Tonight, and then he's just a musical person, and I loved it. Okay. John Tesh. John Tesh. That's yes, what they John said. Tesh. Yeah. And that's the last note I got. Yeah, and um, I'm assuming that the plan was to get this picked up and then weekly just have hijinks, because they set it up for it. I mean, it was like, this is the last straw again. So it's not like there was an ending. No, they clearly thought it was going to go somewhere. I mean, kudos to Spencer, all in all, for at, you know, 23, um, managing to do all of it. I mean, like, make a show and get sponsors and make all this happen. I mean, it's fake and terrible, but, like, I'm impressed that he was able to do it. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I just expected it to be funnier. I, see, or I, I hoped it would be. I think that... It was at the time for the two episodes I saw. Like I said, I only I never saw the rest of these, so I really did. I'm now no, I've only seen the first two. Um, I think it was just a simpler time when we didn't realize how fake things were. Like I just don't even think I was bothering to like be like, oh, is this real or fake? I just kind of took it on face value. So the Spencer hijinks at the time were funny. I thought. Okay. Was the simple life this? I mean, I watched The Simple Life, but I don't remember. Was it this, like, hacky and weird with, like, graphics and stuff? Uh, not graphics. It was pretty hacky and weird. And there was definitely a lot of, like, boing, like, like sound effects. Okay. Stuff. Okay. So that was just popular at the time and I've forgotten. Yeah. Okay. Well, that makes me feel a little bit better because it's really annoying now. Yeah, no, it was just, like, a trope of the time. Yeah. Okay. And let's tell everyone, since we finished Princes of Malibu ahead of schedule, we finished a show ahead of schedule for Way ahead of schedule. Because we skipped things. Um, What we're doing next. So, get excited, everyone. We are doing NYC Prep. Which I have never seen a minute of. Oh, you're in for such a treat. I can't wait. And I have a feeling I'm going to hate them all. I'm just going to warn everybody. Oh, for sure you're going to hate them all. Yeah. They're terrible children. Right. Like, I don't like young people and I don't like rich people, so combine the two. Oh, you're going to hate them. Yeah. Yeah, but you're going to hate them in the best way possible. Okay. Yeah, it's going to be a maze. I'm ready to dive in on some research and God bless Bravo for having old galleries and all that kind of stuff. And just so all of you know, now it is available to buy on Amazon, either per episode or for the whole season. And And the whole season is only $9.99. Right. And it's eight episodes. Yeah. So... There's that. And I'm sure because it's Bravo, you can find lots of clips and stuff on YouTube as well. So Yeah, for sure. That will be coming up next. See you soon. Thanks for listening to another episode of One Hit Wonderful. You can find us online on Twitter and Instagram at OneHitPod. You can email us at franklymareb at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Nana's Mink. And you can find me on Twitter at HeyIt'sMareB. Please remember to rate and subscribe and have a great week, guys. We'll talk to you soon.